number seven, Stan Phillips. Good morning, Met fans. Happy Friday. Long time no talk. Well, we're back. We're back at spring training, and we're here to talk New York Mets baseball for the rest of the 2023 season. How are we all doing? Who's pumped? Who's psyched? Unfortunately, today we have to begin the segment with a sad note. Uh, New York Met legendary broadcaster Tim McCarver left us yesterday. Uh, Tim Opened up eyes while broadcasting, and we'll go into a little bit about Tim's career in just a minute. But he was an influential part for me uh, in my Met days. Actually, during the glory years, the Mets, he was the broadcaster in the mid-80s. And he opened a lot of eyes on how to watch a ball game. Uh, he was never afraid to speak his mind. Uh, I enjoyed him thoroughly. I enjoy anyone who makes me think while I'm watching a baseball game. And that's exactly what Tim McCarver did. And he will be missed. He will be missed. And unfortunately, his passing also occurred on the same day that we remembered the passing of Gary Carter 11 years ago. So a tough day in Met history yesterday. Uh, the passing of Tim McCarver and the anniversary of Gary Carter's death. Now let's talk a little bit about Tim McCarver. Tim was... A member of the Mets television booth as a color commentator from 1983 to 1998. Had a falling out with the Met management, and uh, I think for being a little too critical, I'm not sure the exact details, and I don't want to speculate, but supposedly Met management wasn't too happy with him, or Bobby Valentine in particular wasn't too happy with the way he was criticizing the team and players and I guess even Bobby Valentine, and it led to uh, the Mets not renewing Tim McCarver for the 99 season. Well, the Yankees jumped right on top of that and hired him for their booth from 1999 to 2001. So he was part of the New York baseball fabric for almost two decades in the television booth, and he died yesterday at the age of 81 due to heart failure. Like I said, McCarver's voice was a big part of the soundtrack of Baseball Summers New York, and... Not only big in New York, but he was a renowned national voice for Fox Sports winning three Emmy Awards as he used to be the head and analyst and on their national broadcast for the Game of the Week, World Series, etc. The Mets did come out with a statement saying we are saddened to learn of the passing of Tim McCarver who for 16 years in the television booth gave the Mets fans an insightful, humorous, knowledgeable behind-the-scenes look into the game of baseball. Tim drew on his 21-year career as a catcher to give viewers a unique opinion on what went on between the lines. We send our condolences to his daughters, Kathy and Kelly, and the rest of the McCarver family. Well said. Well, well said by the Mets. Now, McCarver was, in, McCarver was in the booth for 23 World Series and 20 All-Star Games, and he received the Ford C. Frick Award for broadcasting in 2012 and was inducted into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame in 2016. Now, before becoming a broadcaster, McCarver had an illustrious 21-year Major League Baseball playing career from 59 to 80, 
and he played for the Cardinals, Phillies, Expos, and Red Sox. Now, a lot of you remember him as being the number one catcher for Bob Gibson in his prime, his dominant years. Now, Gibson and McCarver went hand in hand. Uh, he was a, McCarver was a two-time All-Star, and he finished second MVP voting in 67 and was part of two World Series championships in 64 and 67. Then when he was traded to the Phillies, he became Steve Carlton's personal caddy. He was even his catcher the year that Carlton won 27 games, and in a year the Phillies only won 59. Uh, so McCarver was the catcher, the go-to catcher for two Hall of Fame pitchers, Bob Gibson and, Tim, and uh, Steve Carlton. Enough said there. Highly respected as a pitch caller. Now, Yankee skipper Aaron Boone, whose father Bob Boone played with McCarver with the Phillies, shared some of his memories of the great broadcaster. Bob said, first of all, he was really nice to me when I was a kid, but just his charisma as a player at the back end of his career, then transitioning into the broadcast booth. During my playing career, he was the analyst. He was Joe Garagiola. Joe Garagiola, the big cover analyst for NBC back in the day, and when the game of the week it meant something. It was the only uh, non-regional game you saw in your New York area at the time. Then Bob Boone said that when I went to broadcasting, he was the guy. He was the generation's great baseball analyst. Just a really awesome ambassador. Loved the game and certainly leaves a legacy and will be missed. One of the many, many, many tributes given to Tim McCarvey yesterday. And he will be missed. And now... Let's hear what our own current New York Met legend, Gary Cohen, has to say about Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver very simply revolutionized what it meant to be a color analyst on a major league sports broadcast, really in baseball or any other sport. Um, some people had laid the groundwork earlier, guys like Tony Kubek, but nobody brought the insight and honesty and the granular nature of the game and nobody did it with more enthusiasm than Timmy did. He was a great player in his own right having played in four decades but he he was able to see things. He was a great observer and he was able to relate those things to non-baseball people in a way that allowed us to better enjoy the games that we already loved. Not to mention he had a great sense of humor, a great playfulness and um, he just, he enjoyed life. He was a great fan of the musical theater. He thought Mandy Patinkin was the greatest performer of all time. Timmy was one of a kind, and he will be greatly missed. Well said, Gary. Well said. But then again, Gary always says it well. Gary's a Met broadcasting legend, just like Tim McCarver. And we have been so blessed to have many great voices through the years describe Met baseball to us. And Tim McCarver was one of them. Rest in peace, Tim. You will be missed. Now, let's focus on baseball. It's tough to transition that way. But it's time. It's time for Met Baseball in 2023. Now, the Mets went full blast on getting veteran players during the offseason. Doing whatever it took. To get to where the Mets need to be. They added Justin Verlander, Jose Quintana, and David Robertson. And you could tell that this team is in a win-now mode. 
But let's not forget about the long-term, shall I say, goals of the Mets is to build from within. And Steve Cohen is a, a big proponent of that. He's leading the way. And waiting in the wings for the Mets are some of the most exciting prospects in baseball, many of whom are on the cusp of making the big league roster. The big three right now, who may be seeing some time this year with the Mets, and I think all three will, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, and Mark Vientos. Now, others like Ronnie Mauricio, who I saw in the uh, Dominican Winter League, and he was fantastic, by the way, maybe a bit further away. He was actually the MVP of the Dominican Winter League, but it won't stop fans from thinking about when these prospects could become everyday players in Mets uniforms. Now, Epworth spoke Thursday evening about the challenge of mixing in the organization's young talent during the spring, while also highlighting the big week experience that players like Beatty, Alvarez, and Vientos occurred last season. Let's hear Billy describe this. Season? Yeah. It was, uh, you mean winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely that. So. Is it accurate that you haven't yet addressed the media this spring, like, publicly? Is this the first time? I haven't, yeah, this is, this is number one. Well, yeah, given that, I've been, uh, yeah. I've been pretty tied up. Right, right. So given, I thought that was the case, I've been over here. Then, if I can ask you a general question about going into spring training, your thoughts on the offseason that you've had, and your expectations for the team going into spring, and how it feels now that you're here. Yeah, no, it, it's great to get down here. Um, you know, it's clearly a really busy offseason for us, you know, with a lot of signings or acquisitions, um, and uh, just a lot of moving pieces, so it's, um, yeah, it's just great to get out in the sunshine a little bit. And see uh, see the players in their element, see the coaches in their element, and, um, athletic training staff, everybody, everybody around. So that's a that's a good thing. And as far as the expectations, I mean, look, um, you know, we want to win a lot of baseball games, um, and uh, you know, we've got high expectations for ourselves. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to kind of watching the, the players perform and, and watching us play fundamental baseball, um, uh, adapt to the new rule changes, and um, you know, just kind of kind of. Do what we do, so looking forward to that. You guys announced Beltron higher today. Yeah. Is he coming to spring training? And yeah. What are you willing to say about his yeah. responsibilities? Yeah, I've known Carlos. I mean, we were uh, with a different club together, and, and so I've known him for uh, a number of years, and, and we developed a close relationship there. And um, even when he was in Houston, um, I ran into him quite a bit. So uh, excited to bring him on. Um, as far as his role, you know, you know, he's kind of open to anything, um, but. What we were talking about and kind of carved out was a little bit of time around the major league team, a little bit of time in our minor leagues, uh, perhaps some special assignment, go see a, a few amateur hitters here or there, um, and also uh, some time with our, our uh, kids in the academy um, in the Dominican. And, you know, I, just, I got back from there a couple weeks ago, and um, so I, I told them, you know, next year we'll probably make that trip together again. And, um, excited to have them. Uh, you know, I... Uh, I uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, bringing in that kind of diversity of thought that, that you and I have talked about, uh, you know, in the past. And just having somebody with, with his perspective uh, will be helpful for our group. And uh, he'll be arriving uh, in camp. I think, he's, I think he's traveling Monday. I don't know if that's for sure if he actually got the ticket or not. But uh, it's supposed to be Monday. So there you have it. Billy Epler addressing the media for the first time. And I think Billy's really feeling comfortable in his role. First but I just, you know, I've been here now for a couple bullpen sessions, digging around what has been the biggest. Uh, to be quite the fit. And uh, I like him. 
I like him. Yeah, he wasn't the first choice of the Mets, and he wasn't the first choice of a lot of Mets fans, but he's going to work out. Now, someone we hope is definitely going to work out for the Mets, we definitely need him, is Kodai Singa. And Kodai Singa had his press conference yesterday, or he addressed the media yesterday. So let's hear what Kodai has to say through his interpreter. あ、ディフェンスとビッグチャレンジ。ここ何回かブルペン入られてアメリカと日本の違い、一番大きな違いは何ですか今のところメッツのこのブルペンの傾斜の鋭さみたいな、え、ところが違うなっていうところがあるので
I, he thinks that it's going smoothly. He's doing my job. I'm not sure what want us to ask you what kind of foods you have been eating or getting used to. American I know あの、気になってたんですけど、アメリカに来てから、それバックにも言ったよね。え、なんだろう。え、本当に普通に、ま、なじもうといろいろなものを食べようとはしてますけど、特にこれってのはもうないか。Nothing in particular just trying a lot of different things. We've actually already talked a book about this, but um yeah, trying a lot of different things, getting um accommodated to the culture. What have you tried like? Pizza. Pizza. So there you have it, Kodai Senga. What a personality. He's going to fit in well, and I hope all the best works out for him health-wise. Uh, there were some questions about his health. Uh, we'll see what transpires, but I think he's going to be a big fit. Uh, he's at veteran age. He's a 30-year-old. Uh, he's been throwing bullpen sessions. Uh, about 50 pitches uh, in the bullpen. So uh, doesn't seem to be a problem there. So his elbow will always be in question. But I think it'll be okay. You never know with pitchers. They're a commodity that you just don't know. But so far, it looks like Kodai will be a good fit for the Mets this year. Now, Francisco Lindor addressed the media yesterday, covering a lot of topics. One of them, Carlos Beltran, who we mentioned before. So let's hear what Carlos has to say about the Mets this year. Great. You know, it feels great that um, us as baseball players are working as hard as we can day in and day out to be the best player we can be and to help the team win. And whenever we have the front office, Billy and Steve and everyone else, he's putting the same energy towards building a great team it, it it feels great it feels when you when you can match the energy of the front office and the front office can match our energy um good things happen and i'm extremely excited for what the future holds and i'm glad we in spring training we're getting things going with the payroll that steve the money he's put into this team you know obviously blowing away anything that's happened beforehand does that make you guys feel like you have a little bit of a target on your back just because of that big number and all the money that, that's been put in? No. Not really. The target is we got a good team. There's teams that spend a lot of money and they're not good. So that's the target. The target is we spend a lot of we We have a good team. And that that's people are going to come after us. They're going to give us their A. And we got to give everyone our, our A. Nothing it's in concrete until it's actually happened. Uh, he he's an amazing player. He's a great person, and I have fun watching him play. Um, I'm happy what we have here. I'm super concentrated on our team, so I wish him nothing but the best. I know when when uh, when he takes the field, he's always going to put up a show. It's always chill rare. So we saw you interacting a lot with the fans. Uh, you know, as always, how would you qualify your relationship with the fans? <laughs> how do I qualify? Um, I would like to say it's a good one. I mean, I've always take pride on um, taking a little bit of time to, you know, to interact or just give the autograph to to the kids and to people that, that want it. 
um, because I was there. I'm still a fan, you know. I, I'm I, I'm fan of many other athletes. So, um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes I'm in my zone and, you know, I, I tune everything out. But most of the time I try to take a little bit of time and show my appreciation to them. They, they you know, they like I tell my wife, a lot of people plan their vacation around coming to see me play. So, um, can't take that for granted. You mentioned Beltran and helping you through that first year. What did he do or say that you found helpful? Um, he said a lot of things. Um, the number one thing was understanding what was happening when it came to um, the results and why people were on me and booing me. Um, he went through the same phase where he was getting it from people. And he he said, in part, they're booing you, but mostly the results. Give them something to cheer you on, and you'll be fine, you know? Um, and, like, there were moments I just say, man, I, I, I can't just focus on my bats. I'm focusing on what was what was going to happen, and I can't focus on my, my bat. And we just talked through mechanics when it came to how I was approaching my, myself on the on-deck circle as I was walking up to the plate and what what was happening on, in the batter's box. Um, stuff like that that centered me, that brought me back to the moment instead of what was going to happen or what happened in the past. Stuff like that, like that. Baseball players need that. You got to stay in the moment, you know. Um, and I was good at it. And then kind of went away from it. And then he helped me, you know, bring it back. And I appreciate him a lot. So there you have it. State of the Union address by Francisco Lindor. I seriously believe Francisco, as well as Pete Alonso, are the leaders of this ball club. I know a lot of people say Max Scherzer, but... I think for the long term, it's going to be Lindor and Alonzo. They just speak well, speak for the team, address the team very well. And uh, those are two guys I'm glad are on the Mets. Now, if I may do so myself here, uh, let me selfishly uh, promote our Facebook group, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're a diehard Mets fan, you really do need to subscribe. And... uh, Become a member because it's the place to go for Mets information. Once again, it's New York Mets Baseball, a way of life on Facebook. What a great Mets baseball group that is. And if you need to follow me, and I hope you do on Twitter, I'm also on Twitter. And you're probably wondering how to reach me on Twitter. My Twitter handle was at MetsLifer, M-E-T-S-L-I-F-E-R, number four, ever. So it's MetsLifer forever. Once again, A at sign, M-E-T-S-L-I-F-E-R, four, number sign four, E-V-E-R. Hope to see you there. And one more shameless plug. Please do subscribe to this podcast. Uh, It would mean a lot. It'll let me know how you feel uh, by listening. And you can also reach out to me by email, philstan41 at gmail.com. I will address everything you want to talk about on that email. 
I'll even bring it on the broadcast here. And the good thing is, once I'm a Mets season ticket holder, and I'll be interviewing you, the fans, when I'm going to the games this year for segments on this podcast. So if you'd like to be one and you're at a Met game, let me know and we can hook up a little brief interview for you. Once again, my email address is philstan41 at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. Now what we do every day in the group itself is a little Met trivia and Jeopardy. Who's ready for that? Uh, let us go and do that for you now. Today's trivia and Jeopardy. Today's trivia question is, what Met was called up to the Mets Major League roster for the first time in 2002 as a third baseman and had a promising partial rookie season with the Mets, batting 302 with a 354 on-base percentage and 526 slugging percentage in 116 at-bats. And today's Jeopardy, as always, two clues. Spent his entire Major League career with the Mets from 74 to 79. And he began the 78 season platooning a right-handed free agent acquisition, Elliot Maddox, in right field. Those are your two clues for Jeopardy. We'll be back with the answers for Jeopardy and the trivia question at the end of this podcast. Stay tuned. Mark down your answers and we'll be right back at you with them. Now today in Met history, we celebrate the following birthdays to these three Mets. Roger Craig, an original Met, born this day in 1930. Who remembers Stephen Tarpley? Well, Stephen Tarpley, number 46 for the Mets in 2021. We got him from the Marlins on waivers. He only pitched in one game. One game, mind you. <laughs> and uh wasn't too successful. He didn't get anybody out. And he has a... Earned run average of infinity with the Mets. But nonetheless, he was a Met. And happy birthday to Juan Padilla. He pitched with us in 2005, pitched 24 games, and he won number 28 with the Mets. In this state, unfortunately, we lost some Mets. Uh, Red Ruffing passed away on this date. And... Red Ruffing was an original Met coach in 1962. He passed away this day in 1986. And Brock Pemberton, a highly regarded prospect back in the day, uh, came up for a cup of coffee in 74 and 75 with the Mets. He was a first baseman. He passed away this day in 2016. And Tony Phillips, one of the most versatile players in baseball history, very good player. He played with us in 1998, if you recall, had 188 at-bats. And he passed away on this date in 2016 also. Now, as far as transactions on this date in Met history, the Mets signed Jerry Morales as a free agent in 1981. On this date, we signed John Maine. Oh, uh, we did not sign him, I should say. Colorado signed him as a free agent. John Maine, a good, dependable 3-4 man for the Mets. And on this day in 2014, the Mets signed free agent Dana Eveland to a contract. And on this day in 2018, Eric Campbell, as, well as I like to call him, Soup, Soup, signed with the Miami Marlins. Now, let's talk about what else is going on in the group, uh, shall we? 
We mentioned today that it's only 41 Tom Seaver days until opening day. And who is ready? We asked you what's your favorite go-to food item at City Field. Karen Hayes Tarwetti, I always have problems with her name. I hope I'm saying it correctly said. I go directly to the sausage and pepper stand and order a hot and sweet and wolf them both down. Tim St. Clair said, used to be Blue Smoke Barbecue. Now it's a Nathan's dog and a knish. David J. Rubin said, besides three Nathan's dogs and fries, a Pala Frida's prime rib sandwich with no cheese and extra juice. Delicious. Pricey as heck, but so good. Joe Miro kept it simple, said beer. I came on and said, I'm never disappointed by the chicken fingers and fries, but I love everything at City Field. Jill Selman said, buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. Deacon Stephen Rain said, the rice balls. Jason Lynch said, either the Italian sausage or the guy outside by the train. Stu Austin said, nachos with shredded pork and a batting helmet. You can get it on the promenade level on the third base line. Randy Cheese said, Pat Lafrida's filet mignon sandwich. Dan Wiener said, he's, we're looking at it if I ever get there. Simon Robo said, last year I had the pastrami sandwich and the sausage and peppers approximately 10 times each, followed by the miso-glazed cod. David Diaz said, pastrami sandwich. Thorne Scott said, I only went once last year and had a disappointing steak sandwich. I had to wait an insane amount of time for in front of a stand that didn't even have a video display to keep up with the game. I also had an Alonzo burger where they call that monster. It was pretty large and tasty, but also pretty expensive. I grabbed bottled water from in the street peddlers at three, at three for five hours because I wasn't drinking at the park. I know there were so many other things I wanted to try, but I can't eat like I used to, even though I can afford it now and couldn't then. Fred Aaron said, Blue Smoke Barbecue Brisket Sandwich. Don Wobb said, First two years was Shake Shack, recently one of the chicken sandwich places, and still sometimes a hot dog or two. Yes, our food connoisseurs have varied tastes, and I can say every one of those is a good choice. And like I said, on the group you'll learn all about these great, great things. Then we had a post that said, when I say Mark Hanha, what's the first thing that pops to your head? Craig Prager, Prager said, good player with some pop and can play all three outfield positions pretty well. Also a good clubhouse guy. Stu Austin said, fourth outfielder at best. Jason Lynch said, solid fourth outfielder or a platoon player, class act. I'd like to see him get 350 at-bats, not 500 or more. Joseph Dornson said, solid acquisition last year. H.R. Ryan says, cute. Plus he's a very smart and foodie. My kind of guy. Fred Torlis said, not afraid to take one for the team. Brock Hildreth said, mispronounced names. Gary Albert says, mediocre. Simon Robo says, weirdo vibe during interviews. Scott Emelock says, not flashy but solid. Steve Scanlon says, reliable. Tony Zuberb said, double machine. Alan Mitchell inquires, can he back up first if we need him? And Salonella says, a foodie solid teammate. So there you have it. Then we had a poll. We said, would you have preferred more Mets to skip the WC, WBC like Nimmo did? He said it wasn't worth the risk and his commitment is with the team, especially after the new contract. Well, 87% of you said yes, more Mets should skip the WC. Interesting. Then I asked how many... Wins do you think the Mets will have in 2023? 
And we had a lot of answers on this one. Let me give you a few. Brian Buckout says 88 wins, third place. Robert Amato, 103. Steve Scanlon, one game better than Atlanta will make me happy until the postseason. Deacon Stephen Rain says 110. Tom Ragone, 102. First place in first round by. Stu Austin, 94. William Arati, 99. First place. Warren Handy, 101. First place. Dave Brennan, 91. Wins second place. Thorne Scott, 102 wins. Marty Gavinelli, 101 wins. Tied with the Braves. That sounds familiar. David Bamberger, 100 or so. Ilio Forcina, 109 wins. Gary Albert, 97. Steven Latino, 95. Michael Sheik, 102 wins. First place. So there you have it. Us Met fans are thinking optimistically. Well, now let's get to the final Jeopardy and trivia answers for today, shall we? I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Let's rock and roll with this. We'll do the trivia one first. I'll repeat the trivia question for you. Uh, the trivia was yesterday's Mets trivia question was what Met was called up to the Mets Major League roster for the first time in 2002 as a third baseman and had a promising partial rookie season with the Mets batting 302 with an OBP of 354 and a 526 slugging percentage and 116 at-bats. Well, the correct answer is Ty Wigginton. The Jeopardy, two clues as always, was sent to the New York Mets during the 1989 midseason, the same transaction that brought Lenny Dykstra and Roger McDowell to Philadelphia. Second clue was led the Mets in hits by pitch, in hit by pitch with 10 in 1989. The correct response to the Jeopardy is, who is Juan Samuel? Congrats to Jason Lynch on being the first to submit the correct response. Well, that'll wrap up our podcast for today. It's good to be back. Baseball season is here. Check in tomorrow for the next one and do subscribe. You'll be alerted when the next one is up. As always, thanks for listening and let's go Mets. Meet the Mets, meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife.